Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. To celebrate our 100th episode, we are going to discuss 100 films to see before you die. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I'm Anthony. And this is James, and we just hit 100 episodes with this one here today. We're so excited that you've all been on this journey with us. Thank you to everyone who's been tuning in since the beginning. I mean, we posted the first episode at the end of June 2020, I think, and we yeah. weren't even doing two a, week, two a week. We didn't know what the heck we were doing. Our The show is not that good, so I rec- recommend skipping like the first five episodes. If any of y'all <laughs> seen them, they're pretty trash compared to the, now. The, the set is terrible. We used to have just a curtain behind us and a, a fake wood wall. That's because we never really planned on on doing this i think covid in the lockdown and, and you lo- losing specifically all your freelance work it led to the opportunity for us to like let's just start a movie podcast i love podcasts i'm not a huge fan of many movie podcasts out there why not just do one ourselves the thing is that we, i don't think we've told any of our fans like the main reason why we started it was because like you just said there are movie podcasts out there but we never really gravitated them towards them too much we weren't really big fans of them and we were like you know what we could do a better job than those guys and gals like let's try it our- ourselves and i mean it's start- it's been working so so far and we're having a lot of fun and we can't believe we made it to 100 thanks to you all and we also hit 1 million audio streams on all of our audio streaming platforms so we're super excited about that and we can only thank our amazing fans for that yeah and thank you all for tuning in we hope that we keep putting out amazing content for you all we're always constantly trying to improve the show but today's going to be super fun so today will be 100 films to see before you die. We have a couple rules with this list. Um, there's no particular order that they're in. It's not like best to worst. This is also not like the best movies of all time that we've selected. It's just kind of like 100 films we think you should see before you die. We're not trying to like impress you all with like, oh, look at our amazing film knowledge of these incredible old films. Like we just like, these are movies we love to watch and think you would love to watch yeah, too. We put a lot of thought into this and also we're going to cheat Kind of, we're going to do, like, franchises will count as one. So, like, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, we're just going to put that as one. It's cheating, I Because otherwise, there would be three Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're, whole... try, we're trying to, like, get expand on it a little bit. And, and this is an impossible list to make. So, please don't get too upset when you hear our list and you don't hear movies that you think should be on the list. This is just our list. So, if you're looking for, like, five Marvel movies, I'm sorry. You're not going to find it here. <laughs> How is Endgame not on this list? <laughs> but um yeah like i said this is this is a tough list to make there's a lot of hard decisions we, we also had to combine our our ideas yeah, for what so, we wanted. so like i made a list yeah. of like 150 he did like 100 and something then we just like spent like three hours like no we can't keep that no we have to keep that and it was tough it was, and it was really killing your darlings we tried to make a rule of only doing at most three by the same director and we did pretty well except for with spielberg like you gotta put a bunch of spielberg in this list it's you can't yeah he's done so many genres and so let's Let's get started. Let's on go. This list of a hundred films to see before you die. I would love to start with the first film because it's one of my favorites, Jaws, which came out in 1975. Obviously directed by Steven Spielberg, and for me, this is easily in my top five movies. I think that is a it's a masterpiece. It's a game changer for cinema. It's the first summer blockbuster ever, and I think Spielberg showed his talent as a director with this movie. Now I don't care what anyone says. Jaws is a horror movie. Horror movies don't need a psychopath wielding a knife or or anything supernatural. All you need is to fill audiences with complete dread and fear. That's the goal. 
and requirement of a horror film. Jaws is a horror movie. One of the best horror movies ever made. One of the best monster movies ever made. Love it. All right, let's move on to number two. Again, this is not in any order, everybody. The Lord of the Rings trilogy, since we just talked about it, 2001, 2002, 2003, that's when the three films came out, all directed by Peter Jackson. These were amazing achievements. We've done multiple episodes on this franchise because you'll, we'll never see movies made like this before. I mean, they completely changed the game in terms of what you can do on a large-scale practical level. And, I mean, Frodo, the characters, and the Fellowship, they're just some of the greatest films we'll ever see. I agree. No one will ever do what Peter Jackson did, and he solidified himself as one of the greats of all time because of this accomplishment. Before we continue, if you want to help support Raiders of the Lost podcast, the best thing you can do is share us with your family and friends and become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost podcast. Patrons get perks like personalized messages, personalized videos, podcast schedules, top tier patrons get monthly shoutouts on the podcast. You also get exclusive bonus episodes of the entire podcast just for patrons. Head on over to our website, RaidersOfTheLostPodcast.com to check out all of our sources of content, our merch, our custom movie posters, and become a patron today. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms. Follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave those five-star reviews. Subscribe on YouTube if you're watching and smash that like button. All right. Next on the list is The Shining, directed by Stanley Kubrick, which came out in 1980. I've seen this movie. It's got to be more than 30 times now, and I am endlessly obsessed with it. What he crafted was something really special. When it came out, The Shining got torn apart by critics. Didn't make that much money. Stephen King hated it. Stephen King hated it. But it has become one of the most beloved movies of all time. And is many consider the best horror film ever made. And I think Kubrick made a masterpiece with it's it. It's in my top 10 for sure. I love every minute of it. Every time I watch it, I'm just, like you said, it's it's like hypnotizing. You can't look away and you pick up something new. And I love the Room 237 documentary that accompanies it because it's full of all these crazy conspiracy theories that are connected <laughs> to The Shining. But Kubrick's a genius. Um, I like the changes he made to the film as opposed to the book. I think it works better for the the medium of film and storytelling in that in that format. But you know, Shining is one of the best of all time for sure. That's why I got a poster of it right here. Number four, we got The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two. Again, we're cheating a little bit, so we're gonna put them both the same thing. <laughs> Released in 1972 and 1974, Francis Ford Coppola gave us two masterpieces. The third one's you know it's a good end to the trilogy, you could say, but the first and second. Or the first one's the best movie ever made, you could probably argue. The second one I like better, though, because I love being with Don, uh, with Vito Corleone back in Italy when he's young and then coming back to America. So I love watching his story from a young age. Yeah, uh, this is just masterful filmmaking that Francis Ford Coppola pulled off. And uh, some of the best acting ever done, as well as some of the best cinematography we've ever seen by Gordon Willis, who uh, was a huge cinematographer in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And I think this is these are two absolute masterpieces, and they will always live on and be regarded as that. Number five on our list is Pulp Fiction, which came out in 1994, written and directed by T Quentin Tarantino. And obviously, this was a game changer. Uh, when it came out, no one had ever seen a, a movie with the storylines that were weaved together like this in this way. Uh, the way Tarantino bounced around time periods and, and characters was something that to marvel at, you know. And I think that he really um, catapulted into fame because of this movie alone. I think Pulp Fiction is that movie that I saw in my youth that's always stuck with me and kind of changed my perspective of how I watch film and looking at it differently from a from an art 
form. And so I think Pulp Fiction, for a lot of people when they're young, when they discover that movie, kind of changes a lot of things about how the way they think about everything in general, not just film. And that's a movie like, it's like listening to a new band that like kind of changes your life in a way. It's like Pulp Fiction does that for so many people. Number six, we have Old Boy, directed by Chanwook Park. And this is one of my favorite Korean films. It has one of the craziest scenes I've ever seen in my life, the the long take hammer scene in the hallway. If you've never seen this, watch it ASAP. It should be on your, your queue very soon. And it's one of the best foreign films ever made, probably. They remade it with Spike Lee directing uh, and Josh Brolin as the lead, but it's not as, as good. And the ending, it's the craziest twist, wild ending I think you'll ever see in a movie. Old Boy might have the best twist in all of movies. It's up there for sure. And it's just a completely original, unique uh, experience for, for cinema. And it was just an immense experience when you watch this for the first time. Number seven, Silence of the Lambs. I keep getting all the horror movies. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I should have taken your side. Came out in 1999, directed by the great Jonathan Demme. 1991. Uh, oh, 1991. My bad. Came out in 1991, everyone. <laughs> And obviously this showed the world Hannibal Lecter in a new light uh, after Manhunter. And what Jonathan Demme crafted was just an utter masterpiece. It's incredible directing, cinematography, fantastic performances. I think that Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, these could be, you could argue it's the best two lead roles in terms of acting of all time. It's definitely up there. And I think that the work they did was incredible. Yeah, it's probably my favorite uh rendition of a serial killer in film it's up there and i think it might have one of the scariest scenes i've ever seen in my life the first time you watch this movie you know the basement scene with jodie foster with the the infrared glasses i mean the the what are they called the, the night vision night vision goggles and glasses it is i i think i died the first time i watched that scene and it's just terrifying and it's a great Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Great story. I, you can tell that, you know, serial killers are still hot today and everyone still loves it. But I think Silence of the Lambs, one of the best movies ever made. It's, it won the five awards, like Best Picture, Best uh, Screenplay, Best—it won the five, the, the big five. It's one of the three, only three films to do that. Number eight, we have Black Swan, directed by Darren Aronofsky in 2010. This is a fantastic movie led by Natalie Portman. Um, we've covered it briefly during our Natalie Portman spotlight. It's her best performance. I think she's just 
gave her entire self to this to this role and she connected so well with that character and overall just the the cinematography and and the art that is every Aronofsky movie just blows me away. Yeah, he this is like a fever dream of a movie. I I really adore this. It's it's one of the best performances of the century so far what Natalie Portman did. And Darren Aronofsky, he's made some fantastic movies, but this is absolutely his best film 100%. Number nine on our list is Goodfellas, a personal favorite, which came out in 1990, directed by Martin Scorsese. He, I think that Goodfellas is Scorsese's most personal film. It's about Italian mobsters in New York, and he grew up around that, and that's why I think it is so accurate and feels so authentic. And I think that's why the movie works so much, because it feels like it's these are real people, and these are their real stories, and I, I think that he changed changed the game with this movie. Yeah, this is one of uh, the first movies that we did, like a solo episode on just this film, and it's because it's Goodfellas. It's one of the best movies ever made, and everybody could quote a thousand lines from it, and it's it's just full of some of our favorite characters we'll ever see in, in cinema again. Uh, Jimmy Conway, Henry Hill, Tommy. Number 10, we have the Indiana Jones trilogy, really, the, the first three. So 1981, 1984, 1989, that's when Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, and then Last Crusade were released, directed by Steven Spielberg. The idea was created by George Lucas, and he pitched it to him on their trip to Hawaii when he was hiding out from the Star Wars premiere. You know... The, it's the namesake of the show, Raiders of the Lost Podcast, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, nothing really feels like magic compared to Indiana Jones on the big screen, in my opinion. Even like a Harry Potter film. It's just something about Indiana Jones. It's just the pure escape, mo most pure escapism you can find. Indiana Jones, you could say, uh, are the ultimate family films where anyone of, when everyone of all ages can watch these movies and enjoy them. So a whole family can take their grandparents and their kids and... And everyone will take away from it a great experience. And that's so rare for movies. The dogs will love it too. Yeah, the dogs will adore it. Junior. Before we continue, I have to tell you about one of our great sponsors, Manscaped, the leaders in men's grooming. This company helps keep the lights on for the show, so please check out their products at manscaped.com and use our coupon code RAIDERSOFTHELOST at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. For years, decades, I was getting those cheap trimmers from the drugstore, they cost like $10 a pop, and they would die after like two months. They'd pull up more hairs than a 80-year-old barber with shaky hands. But Manscaped, they have changed the game for grooming with their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. It's literally a rocket ship for your personal grooming needs. Anthony has one. I have one. They're it's amazing. Awesome. They're we great. just got them in. I recommend getting your hands on their new performance package 4.0, which is a bundle of a bunch of their products at a lower cost. Join the over 2 million men, 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped.com uses this exclusive offer, Raiders of the Lost, at checkout for 20% off and free shipping today. Next up, at number 11, we have The Hurt Locker, which came out in 2008, directed by Catherine Bigelow. This movie was the mo most unique war movie we'd seen in a while because at this time, there weren't that many movies set in Af Afghanistan and Iraq. So uh, I think that audiences in general public weren't really aware of what the experience was like for those soldiers. And so I think The Hurt Locker showed such a great, accurate portrayal of what those soldiers went through. Yeah, and we follow so many great characters. And you could kind of compare it to like a modern day apocalypse now. And, you know, uh, Jeremy Renner plays that lead character as we follow his journey in the, in the war in Iraq and Afghanistan and the Middle East as a bomb diffuser and 
Catherine Bigelow, I think, is one of the best directors in Hollywood working today. Every one of her movies is a hit. I mean, Point Break, obviously, is fantastic. Zero Dark Thirty is great, too. But I think Hurt Locker is her her masterpiece, her best film. She was the first female director to ever win Best Director with this movie. Number 12, we have Heat, released in 1995, directed by Michael Mann. Probably the best crime drama ever made. It's like between that and The Departed. And this definitely has the best shootout you'll ever see in film. I think it is the best crime drama, especially when you think of cops and robbers. And it's the definitive robbery movie. It's got the best bank robbery scenes and, like you said, the best shootout. And no one's been able to top it. And this is hands down Michael Mann's best film. His directing, cinematography, the acting, my, just having Al Pacino and De Niro in a scene together was just mind-blowing. Yeah, and it's so cool because, you know, they were in The Godfather, not in scenes together, but in the same film in Godfather Part Two, And then just these two heavyweights going at it. It's amazing. At number 13, we have Taxi Driver, written by Paul Schrader, directed by Martin Scorsese, which came out in 1976. I think this is, you could say, is the greatest character piece ever made on film. It's an astounding achievement. It's the most hypnotic movie ever made, and uh, it's one of my personal favorites. Yeah, Scorsese, Taxi Driver. Um, everything about it I love. Travis Bickle is an iconic character who we clearly saw try to be replicated or, or Todd Phillips tried to replicate that world in the aesthetic with Joker and as you can clearly see he was heavily influenced by it and as a, there's a reason Taxi Driver won the Palme d'Or at Cannes but also was booed when it was when it premiered there it was ahead of its time at number 14 we have La N, French film directed by Mathieu Kassovitz in 1995 this film is about it's basically a response to pr- police brutality and these characters led by Vincent Castle, this was his big, big break. You obviously would recognize him as um, in the Oceans films, probably as the uh, what's the the great thief in the second one, in the Oceans mm-hmm. 12, the French guy. Um, it follows these characters responding to police brutality in their area while following them after they find a handgun that was left by a cop, I believe. So it's, it's a great film. It's very emotional. It's still relevant today. What's really cool about this movie is that it's shot black and white, but they also they use a lot of great filmmaking techniques that are very infamous in terms of the technicality of filmmaking. And this movie has a bunch of them scattered throughout. So definitely check it out if you're a fan of the actual production of movie making. At number 15, we have Chinatown, which came out in 1974, directed by Roman Polanski. Uh, this is a perfect movie. It's You could say it's the, the quintessential investigation movie. Uh, private detective, detective movie. Uh, Jack Nicholson is perfect, and Polanski crafted one of the best movies of all time, and it's a, a fantastic L.A. movie as well. Yeah, if this didn't come out the same year, it's Godfather Part Two, I believe, was the same year. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be more well-received, I mean, more, more well-known because it's it kind of— won more awards. It, it lives in the shadow of Godfather Part Two, even though it's still one of the best movies ever made. I mean, Chinatown is fantastic, and Jack's great. Roman Polanski's probably— it, arguably, you could put him in the top five director of all time. In terms of suspense, he's probably the most ascent, he's greatest at suspense since Alfred Hitchcock, for sure. Oh, he's excellent, yeah. Number 16, we have The Matrix, released in 1999, directed by the Wachowski siblings. 
And this movie changed the game. I mean, it's one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. I've seen it like 40 freaking times because it's that good. It never gets old. I connect with it, especially I think when we were when it came out, we were nine. And so we kind of grown up in that like pseudo internet age where we're, we're advancing in technology and AI is becoming more relevant in our lives. So I just love this movie. This I this is the uh, an movie going experience that I remember clearly. And that's kind of hard to come by. Because it was so impactful. And I, no matter how many times I see this movie, it never gets old. I never get bored of it. And I just enjoy it immensely every single time. Next up at number 17, we have Parasite, released in 2019, directed by Bong Joon-ho. This was an incredibly original story, uh, surprising, great twists, just phenomenal storytelling by Bong Joon-ho. Uh, I think it's the masterpiece of his career. Uh, and I think it took everyone by surprise. Yeah, so much hidden symbolism. Uh, I think he put everything he had into this film. It's his masterpiece. And I remember, like, you came home because you had seen it, and, like, I hadn't really heard about it yet. He's like, you were like, you got to see this movie. You got to go. I'm like, okay, okay, relax, dude. You're shaking. I think I told you for two days straight. I was like, did you see Parasite yet? <laughs> and so I did, and it blew me away. And, I mean, it's fantastic. That's why we did an episode on it. And Bong Joon-ho is a very talented filmmaker. Number 18, we have Alien, released in 1979, directed by Ridley Scott. This film is lit. We got a poster of it on the set. It's one of my favorite Alien horror movies. And again, Alien is a horror movie, and horror movies can take place in outer space. I don't care what people on Twitter say. That's a fact. This is one of the— Oh, they're arguing about it? Yeah, it happens all the time. People don't believe Jaws and Alien are horror movies, but, you know, it's one of the best space Alien movies ever made. This was Ridley Scott's— Re, uh, re- retort to Star Wars. He saw Star Wars and he's like, you know what? I can do that, but I can make it like a real movie, like adult. Not that scary. Star Wars isn't a real yeah. movie. No, yeah, yeah. But like, I'm going to make a, a dark one. And he pulled it off. And it's one of my favorite movies. It's endlessly rewatchable. It's always horrifying. So well made, so well directed. And the design of the alien is something that has never been even close to topped by any other creature design i think for aliens yeah i think the closest is maybe arrival it's something crazy maybe. unique like that, that but we... it's still not even the same yeah like, the design of the alien is perfect it's a perfect killing machine perfect yeah. organism number i'm ne- ne- oh, sorry my turn next up at number 19 we have sofia coppola's lost in translation which came out in 2003 i think this was uh, a very early movie that catapulted that indie subgenre into acclaim. Uh, movies that didn't really have plots, but followed a you know a character who was like wayward, didn't really know what they were doing, trying to figure their lives out. It became a popular thing, and so it became like of the of the 2000s. Those quirky indie comedies, dark comedies, became very popular because of movies like this. Yeah, I think Lost in Translation is one of the most relatable films I've ever seen in my life. Every time I I watch it, I feel like they're real people because. What Sophia does so well is shows you parts of real lives that you never see in film, like all the times that they're laying in bed by themselves alone. You know, we we do that for the majority of our our large portion of our lives. So I think it's it's a great script, even though a lot of it is improvised. Amazing directing, and like you said, it's kind of just sparked that indie phase. And number twenty, we have The Departed. Yeah, kid. Released in two thousand six by Martin Scorsese. 
best filmmaker probably to ever do it in one i think it it might be my favorite scorsese movie it's like between that and goodfellas i only have it at like number four i love the department i've seen it like 20 times and it's not because i'm from boston and it's not because i connect with the character so well you know especially billy costigan you know that's basically my life but <laughs> it's not his life it's not even close it's, to his it's life one of the greatest crime dramas ever made it's based off the hong kong film of i think uh, what's it called infernal affairs internal affairs. internal affairs. <laughs> <laughs> They say infernal. Yeah. Sorry. It's not even it's a word. A, it's been a long day. The well, Departed is fucking wicked pissing guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically all you got to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's got the greatest, like, upset ending of all time. Yeah. It, it blows your hair back. Yeah. Next up at number 21, we have There Will Be Blood, which came out in 2007, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. I think this is a bona fide masterpiece, one of the few that we've seen so far this century. Ironically, came out the same year as No Country also, I think, is a masterpiece. But I think that this movie, for me, changed the way I looked at movies when I saw this for the first time. It's just magnificent. Everything about it, production, acting, directing, cinematography, the score. It's just a phenomenal film. Yeah, when we were teenagers, all you do is watch There Will Be Blood in the Dark Night in the Basement like every day. And Taxi Driver. <laughs> there Will Be Blood. I mean, yeah, I've seen it a dozen times. It's um, Deion Day-Lewis' best performance. It's probably Paul Thomas Anderson's best film. Everything about it is perfect. Number 22, we have American Psycho, released in 2000, directed by Mary Heron. We just did an episode on it because it's one of our favorite movies of all time. It's a crazy black comedy. It's a satire on this whole lifestyle of, of consumerism and this toxic masculinity that she showcases and the characters are full of. And I think Patrick Bateman is one of the most interesting characters we've ever seen in film. Yeah, it's endlessly entertaining. One of the best movies ever directed by a woman. And the character and the performance are one of my favorites. I think what Christian Bale did is legendary by far. Next up at number 23, we have 12 Years a Slave, which came out in 2013, directed by Steve McQueen. I think that this movie is the ultimate slavery movie. And it's it's hard you go it's, – it's rare you go to the movie and you have experiences like this one. When I came out of this film, I felt like I went through just the most emotionally – impactful like two hours i could remember it's a really deep thoughtful moving and profound film yeah all of his films before this if you guys haven't seen it shame and hunger they really move you and you feel like you got hit by a truck but 12 years a slave it feels like you got hit by a bus it's a completely different feeling it will completely sad depends how big the truck is <laughs> a huge truck <laughs> <laughs> It'll completely drain you of every emotion you have inside of you because you will be weeping by the end of it. And it's it's a journey. It's an epic journey that everyone has to take to understand the past so much better. Number 24, Apocalypse Now, released in 1979, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, one of the best war films ever made. We really we left this out of our recent our war film episode because we think at some point we're going to do it by itself because it's that good. Um, Martin Sheen is really phenomenal in this movie so isn't marlon brando and it's it's i i read stories where like boot camps would show this movie to recruits and it's like you don't want to show this movie to recruits it kind of would make them go crazy because it shows what happens to the mind of a soldier in that environment they just show the the storming of the the beach okay. with the with the helicopters <laughs> it's still yeah. nuts though and apocalypse now is a sensational movie it's there's nothing like it it's. It feels like you're reading a novel when you watch it. Yeah. It's that got that kind of just like, you you see so much that doesn't follow a, a straight plot, 
And I think that it's an unbelievable accomplishment. Yeah, and Coppola put his entire life on the line for this film. Yeah, money and livelihood. <laughs> At number 25, we have the Dark Knight trilogy, which came out in 2005, 2008, and 2012. Christopher Nolan directed these three films, and I believe that this is hands down one of the best trilogies ever made. I, they're my favorite superhero movies. I, I, I love Marvel, but I think what Nolan did, even The Dark Knight Rises, I adore these films. And they were big for us because we were young when they started coming out. And he, it, these films made you look at like a superhero in a, a new light, made you look at Batman in a new light. And he, what Nolan did really, it, it, every, it informed what Marvel did. They, what Marvel became, you got to thank the Batman Begins and the Dark Knight because of it. Yeah, I mean, Batman Begins and the Dark Knight, it's like, they can go either way, which is the better film. And the Dark Knight Rises is borderline a masterpiece itself. But, you know, Batman Begins, the greatest origin story I think we'll ever see for a superhero. And then the Dark Knight, I think, will is the greatest superhero film that will ever exist. I don't think anything will ever top it. Before we move on to the next movie in our list, I have to tell you all about MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Use our special promo code Raiders15, again, Raiders15, to get 15% off your order today. There's no better way to express your love for cinema, for film, for television, than by decking your place out with a ton of awesome movie and TV posters. And MoviePosters.com is the place to do that. They have all sorts of framing, backlighting, every kind of movie you can imagine. They got it. Again, use our special promo code Raiders 15, again, Raiders 15 at MoviePosters.com to get 15% off your order today. Number 26, we got Forrest Gump, 1994 released. Robert Zemeckis directed this film, which somehow beat Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption for Best Picture. But we what still love year. it. We still love it. That's yeah, it was a crazy year. 1994 was an insane year for film. I think Lion King came out too that year. Yeah, I think so. Um, Forrest Gump's fantastic. It's it's the ultimate feel-good movie. It's inspirational. You, you can't watch this movie and not love Forrest Gump unless you're just a cynical bastard. I, Forrest is one of the most lovable characters of all time. And Zemeckis, really, he did such a great job directing this movie. Number 27, we have The Shawshank Redemption, which came out in 1994, directed by Frank Darabont. Uh, one of the probably the most universally loved movie by general audiences. It's number one on the IMDb list, and it's a beautiful story. It's a tragic story. It's a very powerful, profound story, and I think all around, it's a fantastic movie. I mean, who can't connect with Andy Dufresne? Morgan Freeman's fantastic. <laughs> this movie, Tim Robbins, uh, it's based on a short story by Stephen King, and it's Shawshank Redemption. We all know the story. We've all seen it. It's one of the most beloved films of all time. Number 28, we got Fight Club, released in 1999, directed by David Fincher. This, again, was one of those movies in my youth that I connected with so well. Do you have it on your poster, on your wall? I think it's like one of those cliche, like a guy in a dorm room has a poster of a Fight Club. But Fight Club, I just there's something about it that resonated with me so much and still does to this day. I think the mistake a lot of people do, it's the same thing with American Psycho, is they look at only the surface of this film, but beneath it, you, you'll discover what it's really about. And I think Fight Club just blows me away every time I see it, plus the great twist ending. The thing with Fight Club is you've never seen a movie told in that way. It, that, that tone, the attitude, the sarcasm, uh, it, it was just everyone gravitated to it because it was so wholly unique and it's going to live down as one of the best. It was like punk rock film. Yeah, exactly. Number 29, we have Coming to America, which came out in 1998, directed by John Landis. I think this is peak Eddie Murphy. 
using his all of his talents and his star power to to launch this incredible film into the success it became and uh, his comedy is so great i think people since he hasn't been in many movies lately they don't they don't remember how great of a comedic actor eddie murphy is and i think he proves it with this more than anything else yeah i mean he took so many years off from the limelight that you forget like how great he is in coming to america and beverly beverly hills cop and he's he's a great actor another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One of the best comedians to ever live. Obviously, his jokes don't fly anymore with what he used to say. But coming to America, it's a classic. It's his best movie. It's one. Of, I think it's one of the best uh, lead films by a comedian. Number thirty, one of my personal favorite movies, No Country for Old Men, released in two thousand seven, directed by the Coen Brothers. This is the best book to film adaptation I think that's ever been made in terms of uh, relevance. Or, <clears throat> accuracy. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. In terms of accuracy from book to film. I mean, even like shot by shot, it's like you pictured it while you're reading it. And the Coen brothers just took this amazing story by Cormac McCarthy, which you could say like the book itself was kind of just set up to be a movie. And I think that's why it translates so well to film. And every part about it's amazing. Josh Brolin's great. Plus, we have the great Javier Bardem is, wins his Oscar for Anton Sugar. It's a perfect movie. It's perfectly directed. And uh, I, I think Anton Sugar is one of the great characters of our time. And it's going to it's just an incredible piece of suspense an amazing thriller. It feels like it's like it it has on this it's on the same par as a great Hitchcock movie. Number thirty one, we have Boogie Nights, which came out in nineteen ninety seven, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. This is PTA's big breakout movie. Uh, you it was set in a new world. No one had ever seen a feature film set in the porn industry. And what's so strong about this movie is that he tells it in an authentic human way where you understand these people and you feel like you're part of their family. And also just showed his talent as a, direct, as a director, his filmmaking style, his techniques, how he likes to move the camera. And again, great performances. This is during the uh, PTA's ensemble part of his career with a, a big cast. And this is just a flat-out masterpiece. Yeah, the, I think the cinematography might be the most underrated aspect, especially that opening long-take shot, which is just phenomenal. It starts sideways and comes off that crane. It's, it's an amazing film. I love it. Number 32, we have Psycho, released in 1960, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. You could probably say that Psycho had as big as an impact on cinema and the future of film as maybe like even when talkies first started. I mean, coming back from silent film, that's how big of an impact this movie had on audiences when they saw it in film and then just the future of cinema in general and, and what filmmakers started to do. Yeah, what Hitchcock did was a lot of firsts. Like you had never seen a, a woman naked before in a film in America. You've never seen a woman in her bra in America. And in terms of uh, a, a person killing a woman naked in the shower, unthinkable before this. But Hitchcock, I think he has a lot of similarities to David Fincher where they like to push the button. They like to push the edge and try to um, do things that no one else had ever done before in terms of portraying the darkness of humanity. And this is his is his example of that. Also the first toilet flush. Oh, if, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number 33, Dances with Wolves, which came out in 1990, 
written and directed by Kevin Costner. This is a profound epic. Uh, what Kevin Costner did was astounding. He he made audiences empathize with indigenous peoples in a new way. Uh, before this, Hollywood didn't treat indigenous tribes and and, and people in a in a good light, and he showed uh, the humanity that these people had that we never really saw before. And I think that he deserved every award he got for this movie. Yeah, it's just a, an amazing film. He kind of made like a classic western in 1990, and it's a very important film historically to try to cope with what's happened in the past in this part of the world. And I think everybody should watch it at some point in their lives. Number 34, The Graduate, released in 1967, directed by Mike Nichols. This movie is amazing. If you just left college, watch The Graduate. You'll understand life so much better, and you'll be able to relate to it so well. And I love the character played by Dustin Hoffman. And it, in the ending, again, we, we've talked about before how people mostly misinterpret what happens at the end of the film. But, um, you know, all I got to say is plastics. <laughs> This is uh, one of my favorite screenplays. I think it's so well written. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's really, really intense and personal, and 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 really makes you empathize with the characters in the film uh, because it's kind of a ridiculous situation, but they portray it so well. And Mike Nichols knocked this out of the park. It's incredible. Plus the soundtrack written oh, yeah. by um, um, written by Simon and Garfunkel, yeah. which is iconic, and even Mrs. Robinson, which was written for the film too. Mm. It's great. At number 35, we have Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, which came out in 2004, directed by Adam McKay. This, I think, catapulted Will Ferrell into superstardom. It's endlessly quotable. We used to quote this constantly when we were kids, and it's one of my favorite movie experiences. Yeah, he was coming off SNL, and he was building his movie career, and my goodness, old school, and then this. and It's one of the funniest films ever made. I think it's always going to be funny, even if you've never seen it before. I've seen it like 30 times for no reason in college. But um, it's, it's just a legendary comedy, and I'll always love this film. At number 36, we have Malcolm X. Released in 1992, directed by Spike Lee. This, again, is another very important film to watch if you've never seen it to understand more about American history. This is a film that I think was ahead of its time in terms of what Hollywood accept for uh, award-winning film. This didn't win a single Oscar. Denzel, I, I believe it only got nominated for Denzel. Got two nominations, but it didn't win. De somehow Denzel didn't win an Oscar for this, and it's one of his best roles easily. And it's... It's a great epic of this important figure in American history, and it's a very long film too. So strap in; it's over. It's almost three and a half hours long too. Yeah, Spike Lee really brought it all with this. It's his best uh, film for sure, and I think it's hands down one of Denzel's best performances. And it's a it's a great epic about this character who was a very complex person that a lot of people understood and a lot of people didn't understand. So I think if you want to learn more about Malcolm X, the man, definitely watch this movie. Number 37, we have Dog Day Afternoon, directed by Sidney Lumet, which came out in 1975. This is, I think, the pinnacle of like hostage situation movies. This kind of started those. It's so it's so well made. Uh, Al Pacino, in one of his best performances, is a fantastic character who you really empathize with and really get behind. And it kind of turns into this like thing where the the people who are being held hostage in the bank are turned on the side of the criminals and, and start fighting against the police. So it's not fighting, but you know, but it's a, a fantastic movie. And Sidney Lumet's one of the best directors of our time. And, you know, Pacino's great in 
how can we not talk about John Cazale, who's in this list three or four times, and he was only in five movies, I think, right? Died of cancer. And all of them were nominated for Best Picture. And yeah. uh, rest in peace, one of the greatest actors that we will never see because his career would have been legendary. He was actually engaged to Meryl Streep. Yeah. At number 38, we have Back to the Future, released in 1984, directed by Robert Zemeckis. This is just an iconic movie. It's one of the best time travel movies of all time. It's so fun. It's so legendary. We can, we've can we all seen it at some point in our lives. It's one of those movies everyone kind of just grows up watching. I mean, Marty McFly's is just such a fun character. Everyone knows. the And it's, it's great because of all the pop culture references and how cool it is. Yeah, and this changed the game for special effects. This is still like right around when Star Wars had just come out. And so Robert Zemeckis was still uh, ex- excelling in terms of what they could do with effects in movies. And this is a big time movie. This turned into one of the best franchises ever. Number 39, we have Vertigo, which came out in 1958, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. This is my favorite Hitchcock movie uh, because he uses so many incredible filmmaking elements in this film to tell the story. Uh, Jerry Stewart is great in this. It's his best performance. And I think that it's, it's, it's a great, suspenseful, thrilling, and heart-pounding story. Yeah, I think Hitchcock was the first director with cinematography to do that shot where mm-hmm. you're zooming in and focus pulling at the same time. Dolly, dolly zoom. The dolly zoom, yeah. which is, you know, you're, you're pushing in and zooming out at the same time or you're zooming out and pushing you, you in. You would recognize it in Jaws, that yeah. shot. So it, it, it kind of gives this amazing perspective of what's happening. It seems like kind of like you're falling through the frame. It's more of like when you do the sensation of vertigo. Yeah, so it, yeah, he does that uh, looking down the stairwell. Yeah. At number 40, we have Eight and a Half, released in 1963, directed by Federico Fellini. This is an incredible Italian film. It's it's like a surrealist, artistic masterpiece, you could say. And I, I love the cinematography of this movie. Um, it's a great journey of this creator in his last creation, you could say, in his life. And if you've never seen it, I recommend it. It's the best movie about filmmaking. And it's... It, it's a, the most incredible, dreamlike, surrealist film. Uh, it's one of the greatest productions ever made. It changed movies forever. forever. And uh, I, I couldn't get it for the set, the poster I wanted to, but this is the only one they had, La Dolce Vita, which is still great. But this is one of my favorite movies by far. At 41, we have The Lion King, which came out in 1994. You were right. Directed by Roger. I'm always right. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> Roger Allers and Rob Minkoff. This is my favorite animated film. I think it has the the greatest themes, uh, storytelling devices, characters, and I think it has the most epic story of any other animated film, and I think it's the king of Disney movies. Who hasn't seen The Lion King? I don't think there's a soul in the first world countries who has a TV that hasn't seen Lion King. It's it's that movie. You know, you grew up with it no matter how old you are or where you're from, and even if you're older, you, you watched it. You, you took your kids to see it. You saw it with your, your family. It's and you got dinner after. <laughs> <laughs> drove, drove home. You went to bed at some point. <laughs> Woke up the next day, went to work. Anyways, it's it's just a, a, a movie we've all seen and we all adore. <laughs> Number 42, we have Toy Story, released in 1995, directed by John Lasseter, who is like the mastermind of Pixar and the start of this this epic movie studio and changing the game of 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 animated films and computer generated technology and Lasseter put together an amazing story and Toy Story obviously doesn't hold up as well as these new ones with the the graphics and effects and and animation but it's still so good yeah I know we're all used to these amazingly looking movies but 
when Toy Story came out, no one had ever seen anything like it before. It was completely revolutionary. And this was a very important film for the future of animation. And it changed it. At first, it was complicated because 2D was in jeopardy. But ultimately, I think it changed animation for the better. At 43, we have Scream, which came out in 1996, directed by Wes Craven. This movie is just so much fun. It's hilarious. It's scary. It's got a good story. It's fun to watch. You know, you love the characters. The ending's so fun. And I just, every time I watch this movie, I have a good time. And sometimes it's all you want. Yeah, it's a perfect horror movie. It's been attempted to, like, recreate this so many times. And it kind of revitalized the slasher genre. And I love Scream. The characters are so fun, and we recognize them, and we, you know, we followed all their careers, and they're rebooting it for, I think, 2022 or something There's like that. There's a reason why there's six of them. Yeah, so Scream, it's just a classic horror film. We love it. At number 44, we have The Exorcist, released in 1973, directed by William Friedkin. This is probably the greatest horror film ever made. This will terrify the crap out of you. I don't care if you think that old movies production-wise aren't as scary as they are today. This is a terrifying film because it supersedes any special effects that you've seen today with its story and its acting and its tension. Yeah, Friedkin made, I think, is the greatest horror film ever. I, one of my favorite experiences going to the movies was we saw this on film at Coolidge Corner in oh, Boston. Like, yeah, it was like it had a pinkish hue and everything. Yeah, it, so was, it was so it, old. It was awesome. And the way that they filmed this was just so old school and bare bones. And it, it, it can look a little cheesy at times, but it, it it's all in camera and it feels so real. It feels like it's happening. No other movie had, has made me feel as terrified of demons or the devil as this movie every single time. Dude, when that bed starts to rise, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, the practical effects are amazing. It's so well directed. I think that this is one of my personal favorite movies. It's fantastic. Number 45 is The Thing, which came out in 1982, directed by John Carpenter. One of my favorite horror movies. It revolutionized special effects and, and gore and what you could see in a horror film. Uh, when this film came out, it failed. But it has become one of the most loved horror films of all time because it is so good. And it's actually got a really good, tight story. Great, great directing. I think this is a bona fide classic. I love, love, love The Thing. It takes, like, the concepts of so many horror films from the past and puts it into this, this mashup. And, I mean, it's kind of, like, got the Invasion of the Body Snatchers thing going on. But then just, like, this outer space alien comes and takes over the world it's so epic and cool and kurt russell he's complete cool got that hair hair and beard goals yeah number 46 we have star wars the original trilogy so episodes four five and six which were released in 1977 1980 and 1983 directed the first one was directed by george lucas a new hope and then Empire Strikes Back was directed by Irvin Kirshner, and then Return of the Jedi was directed by Richard Marquand. And what can we say that we haven't already said about our in our episodes of Star Wars? I mean, they're some of the greatest science fiction films ever made, some of the greatest space fantasy films we'll ever see, and there's a reason why Disney bought it for, what, like $88 billion like a few years ago, and yeah. they've made nine now, plus in, in the original franchise, plus all the everything that they're doing with it. There's, there's a reason it connects with audiences all over the world. Yeah, and even though the new movies are are they're great they still don't even compare to the original trilogy what george lucas did he revolutionized filmmaking forever and at, no matter how many times you see them they're always just great to watch number 47 we have inception which came out in 2010 directed by christopher nolan 
uh, one of the greatest sci-fi films ever made. Uh, Chris Nolan crafted a masterpiece of intrigue, mystery, uh, riddles, and incredible twists. I think that this is a fantastic movie and absolutely blew my mind when I saw it for the first time. It was so hard to pick which other Nolan movie to put in this. I mean, we wanted like so many, we wanted them all, obviously. But Inception is probably the most ambitious and bold films I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't think I've ever been as excited to see a movie than I was for that because the trailers were fantastic. The story ended up being phenomenal. Leo's great. The cast is the cast is superb, and everything about it is just perfect. It's 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 probably it's Nolan's perfect. it's probably Nolan's best movie. It's probably better than The Dark Knight. It's so hard to pick, but I mean, there's a reason why we chose Inception over everything else for him. Not counting the Batman's, obviously. Number forty-eight, we have two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. Released in 1968, directed by Stanley Kubrick. 2001 is one of the most important science fiction films ever made. It changed everything. There would be no Star Wars really without it because, you know, they kind of just used a lot of the same production elements that he did. And it's just this great story of the concept of where do we come from? What's the next for humanity? And what is life? Trying to answer those questions in a great science fiction story dealing with also the concept of artificial intelligence versus humanity and aliens, man. This is one of the best productions ever put on film. What Kubrick did with his sets, his cinematography, his production design was just astounding. And like you said, the deeper themes in the core of it just make it one of the greatest films ever. Number 49, we have Inglorious Bastards, which came out in 2009, directed by Quentin Tarantino. One of my favorite movies in wartime eras, and I think it's Tarantino's best screenplay. It easily has, you could argue, the greatest opening scene of all time in terms of the history of cinema. The, that first scene is just un unbelievably good. And I just love this movie. I adore the screenplay. I adore the actors he got, their performances. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah, I think Pulp Fiction's Tarantino's like best film, but I think that Inglorious Bastards is his best made film. If that makes sense. The I think it makes sense. <laughs> different concepts. The script is is flawless. It's his best script, hands down. Production elements are phenomenal. Acting and is you're, hard to press. I'm <laughs> you're hard to impress. I'm so easy to impress. It's it's ridiculous. But I love Inglorious Bastards. If you had to pick besides Pulp Fiction his next his next best film, it's gotta be Inglorious Bastards for us. At number 50, we have Seven Samurai, released in 1954, directed by Akira Kurosawa. The first time you showed me this movie, you put it on at like 11 o'clock. You're like, yeah, let's watch the Samurai movie. I'm like, cool, let's watch it. I love Samurai movies. This is like 10 years ago. Little did I know that it was like three hours and 50 minutes long, and we were up until 3 a.m. watching this movie. But it's, I was like, it'll be over soon. It's an epic. And I mean, it, I mean, yeah, Avengers is cool, but this is like the original team-up movie yeah. of, of like these people trying to save other citizens around them and it's like got everything you need it's got great action great comedy great cinematography amazing characters and i love this movie there also there wouldn't be star wars without this movie the, the samurai movies that akira kurosawa made inspired george lucas to make star wars and i love samurai i love the culture and i just am, i'm endlessly fascinated by them and uh kurosawa has made a ton he made a ton of great 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 movies but i think that this is his his shining pinnacle of a filmmaker. It's an unbelievable movie. At 51, we have One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which came out in 1975, directed by Milos Forman. And this is one of Jack's greatest performances. It's an incredible screenplay and story. And the movie, it starts out as one thing and it turns into no another thing. And you fall in love with the characters. And 
it has, I think, one of the most tragic endings of any movie I've ever seen. And it's just a powerful film. Yeah, I love it because you kind of don't really know fully what's going on for a while. I mean, it's kind of just throwing you off a little bit and Jack's great in it. And it kind of recently got a ton of attention with younger audiences because it got put on Netflix and everyone's like, whoa, this movie's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, Nurse so, yeah, and, and yeah, great villain too. Um, well, I mean, the, there's a TV series about Nurse Ratchet now. Was there? Yeah. Is that what it was? It's called Ratchet. Oh, I don't know. I don't watch TV shows really, so I didn't know about that. Oh, he's too good for TV. I, just got, I don't have time to watch TV, man. There's so many. There's a thousand shows that people tell me to watch. But anyways, One Flew Over the Cocos Nest is fantastic, and it was also one of the move, one of the three films that's won the five big awards. Number fifty-two, we have The Usual Suspects, released in 1995, directed by Brian Singer. One of the best twist endings you'll ever see in a movie. This film is so fun it's got interesting characters it seems like it's one of those those like action crime movies that's tried to be replicated so many times since it was released and it's brian singer's best movie great cast great directing great screenplay it's a a fantastic movie and uh, you got all these fantastic actors who are so young in it it's so much fun to watch guys are so shitty (laughs) number 53 we have the pianist which came out in 2002 directed by roman polanski uh one of the two ultimate Holocaust movies, this and Schindler's List, are the, the two top of the mountain. And the pianist is horribly tragic because you see how these people who lived in these areas, these Jewish people, and how their lives were torn to pieces and the horrible things they had to go through. And just to survive this experience, this character has to defeat all odds. And it's an amazing story that is even more profound when you find out that it's a true story. And I think it's one of the defining movies in terms of World War II. Yeah, there's a handful of movies on this list that are not just great movies, but historically important. They're kind of like these mementos, these cultural mementos to understand what happened and understand specifically what happened in World War II, why we had to go to war, why we had to justify that. And the pianist really puts you in the perspective of those poor souls stuck in these countries, and this one's particularly in Poland, where they had to try to survive if they were lucky. Most of them really didn't make it out. Number 54, we have The Terminator, released in 1984, directed by the genius James Cameron, who's just a sequel machine, too. I can't wait to see Avatar. <laughs> but um, The Terminator, just it's just, we never seen anything like it. This humanoid killing robot from the future that travel back in time and i love how james cameron just like starts you off like so like right away let's do some tri- time travel stuff let's now we're gonna open the movie and arnold schwarzenegger is perfectly cast in this because it's not like the guy can act so he just needed someone that could <laughs> that was jacked and huge and and could be a zombie for like two hours but it's it's one of the most iconic sci-fi action films ever it's one of the most original scripts ever too it's such an original story because it now we're used to movie stories like this but no one had ever done anything like this before so it was a big game changer for cinema and i think it's it'll stand the test of time it's one of the best sci-fi movies ever at 55 we have gladiator which came out in 2000 directed by ridley scott one of my favorite things about this movie is that they made it on the fly without a finished script, which is unbelievable because this is flat out one of my favorite movies. It's always fun to watch when it's on. I just watched the whole thing all the way through. Amazing battle sequences. Maximus is one of my favorite movie characters of all time. Hans Zimmer's score is incredible. And Ridley Scott was just a perfect director for this. Oh, and don't forget about Commodus, the great villain. Yeah, 
Gladiator. We've done an episode on it. I have a, a Funko Pop of, of Maximus on my desk right now. It's my favorite Russell Crowe role. Um, I've seen this movie 50 times. I'll see it 50 more times before I die. And you got to watch it if you've never seen it before. Want to move into our intermission? Oh, yeah. Let's do our break, which is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Let's begin our intermission with a movie quote competition. Let's go. I'll go first. I have two. I have one from a fan and one from me. So the, the one from Jack Jordan. This is a great one. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. My opinion of feds is like mushrooms. Feed them shit. Keep them in the dark. The departed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Marky Mark. And then I also have, for me, <laughs> a boy's best friend is his mother. Waterboy? Uh, I don't know. Psycho. Oh, my God. It's Norman Bates. <laughs> I should have said it creepy. That's a good one. Here's mine. I was just thinking about the first time I laid eye on you, how pretty you looked. It's a one-eyed person. <laughs> <laughs> Who has one eye? Oh, my God. That's so funny. The quote itself is just hysterical. <laughs> oh, man. What is this? Nah, tell me. Mike Wazowski. <laughs> it's Monsters, Inc. <laughs> I was just thinking the first time I laid eye on you, how pretty you looked. <laughs> That's so funny. All right. Guess this movie release year. Rain Man. Starring Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. 1990. 1988. Damn it. All right. Here's mine. L.A. Confidential. It's a great movie. Young Russ. How young was he? 1986. Way off. 1992. <laughs> 1997. <laughs> is that the worst answer I've given? <laughs> you did one that was like 20 off. You did. Uh, I did not do one that was 20 off. Yeah, last episode. What was no, it? Was, it was uh, the David Lynch movie. It was like Elephant Man. Yeah, it was like <laughs> shut up. You said 98. It was 1980. <laughs> Oh man! Wow, it's not. I thought it was way older than that. No, it's not. It's, it's it was a good movie. It was, yeah, it was, it was really good movie. It was before he was super famous. Yeah, but he was still he was still getting up. Breaks there. the chair with his hands. Yeah. All right, let's do our movie pop quiz. In the film Blade Runner, what is the lifespan of a replicant? Good question. Let me. Let me give you the answer. <laughs> By lifespan, if you're on, if you're confused, how many years until a replicant dies or just shuts down? Seven years. Four years. Oh, man. It's a tough one. All right. Here's my pop quiz. Heath pop Le quiz? Here's my pop quiz. <laughs> Heath Ledger won the Oscar posthumously. It's only happened one other time in a movie. You don't have to name the actor, but can you name the movie? No, no. Network. Oh, Peter Finch won. He was the, the newscaster, anchorman. Who's the biggest hater of the week, Jim? We have one, like usual, from TikTok. <laughs> it's where we get all of our horrible comments and, and whatnot. Um, so, so we made a great TikTok clip talking about how in Memento, 
Teddy's phone number is the same number as Marla Singer in Fight Club. And this is actually a number that's been used in like a handful of films. And you can see it in some TV shows. It's 555-0134. And um, I, at the end of the clip, I mentioned that Memento was released in 2000. And Fight Club was released in 1999. So obviously Nolan... He saw this, and I think he knew that that was a reference in other films. And, you know, I think he wanted to give a shout-out to Fight Club as well as those other films at the same time. And then someone wrote, uh, The release date isn't important for this Easter egg as films get made years prior to release. <laughs> yes, films get made years in advance, and they film before they're released. But it's relevant here, which is why I said it, because Fight Club was released on September 9th, 1999. Memento began filming September 7th, 1999. So... Memento had just started filming when Fight Club came out. Yeah, he Go definitely, ahead. he absolutely used that as inspiration. Take sure. that, Sathu M. Harkey. Yeah, Sathu M. Harkey. <laughs> what kind of name is that? And our biggest supporter of the week is Caleb Fleming, who's been a patron since September 2020, a top tier patron. So Caleb's awesome. He's been supporting us for almost an entire year now. You're the best, Caleb. Thank you so much for the support. You're the best, Caleb. I said that. I said it. Say something else. You're awesome. That's cool. <laughs> All right. On this day in film history, today is June 21st. Today is Chris Pratt's birthday. Also, today is the day that Toy Story 4, World War Z, and The Hunchback of Notre Dame were released. Different years, obviously. That would have been a wild weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and our streaming recommendation comes from Netflix. And it's going to be Spotlight, which is a fantastic movie. One best picture, I think, like five years ago. Uh, it's about the the truth and the stories that came out about the Boston Archdiocese Catholic Churches and how, obviously, there was a lot of um, terrible things that was happening to children, and those stories came out. It's a great, great journalism movie. The best one since all the presidents, men. And it's set in Boston, kid. It's wicked pissa. And that wraps our intermission. Let's head back into our list of 100 movies to see before you die. Number 56, we have Lawrence of Arabia, released in 1962, directed by David Lean. This is a groundbreaking film. This is one that they teach in film classes all around the world in the country for a reason. It's a masterpiece in filmmaking. The cinematography is breathtaking. The acting's phenomenal. Um, this is just a great epic of a film. This is one of the best made movies, I think, of all time. It's incredibly crafted, especially when you consider that they were shooting on location in these deserts all over the Middle East. It's an impossible task, and they pulled it off. They even captured uh, a mirage on camera, which no one thought was possible, but they really did. I think it's just, it's just a magical movie, and it's the I think it could be the ultimate epic in film history. Number 57, we have Good Will Hunting, which came out in 1997, directed by Gus Van Sant. One of my favorite Boston movies is fucking Wicked Pissing. Boston's all over this list, kid. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, kid. <laughs> it's a, a fantastic screenplay. It's a really beautiful, beautiful story that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote. And Robin Williams is phenomenal in this movie. And I think Gus Van Sant had a very light and tender touch to the directing, which made you really love the characters and and stay invested in the story. The concept is just so great, especially from your if you're from like New England or Massachusetts or the East Coast, you know, this boy super genius from Selfie. And you know, Selfie, it's not that 
bad anymore because you know there's a lot of young adults and and, and professionals moving into that neighborhood now but um Southie was a very is probably the toughest neighborhood in America is up there top 10 for sure so it's it was not a great place to be growing up and to to put this incredible human being this once in a generation once in maybe a hundred year human being in that kind of environment and to see what he'd turn out like is incredible and then obviously robin williams is this great mentor character and we, we, this is a phenomenal movie we love it at number 58 we have a clockwork orange released in 1971 directed by stanley kubrick this movie is disturbing but also incredible at the same time it's one of those movies you can't look away from while you're watching it no matter what you're watching it's kind of like alex when he's in the chair being forced to watch all that propaganda it's like yeah i can't look away this it feels just like him it's it's an incredible achievement in filmmaking obviously a lot of deplor deplorable acts take place in this film we're not lifting those up we're just lifting up the film itself kubrick was so great because all of his movies are so different from one another and this film is so unique i've never seen a movie like this and everything about the tone the the directing the music it's just unbelievably unique and original and i think that it's easily one of the best movies of all time it's unbelievably it's so memorable it's so memorable number 59 we have amale which came out in 2001 directed by jean-pierre Jouenet. i mean Wynette. amale is a very beautiful film it's i think it's very much like wes anderson in terms of the whimsical quality of it the good-natured uh, lead character who has a heart of gold and she's pure and naive and innocent and it's it even has a lot of tragedy but it's just gorgeous cinematography uh such a great performance and i think it's a, a magical film if you've never seen this movie watch it with your significant other it's like one of those only one of those few movies where you actually feel love like you feel those emotions while you're watching it because it's it's such a beautiful movie it's a great script visually it's it's so it's so stunning it's like a fairy tale you're watching the colors and the aesthetics the sets the wardrobe i love every aspect of this movie it is phenomenal speak of the devil and he shall appear <laughs> dark knight rises quote for number 60 the grand budapest hotel released in 2014 directed by wes anderson this is wes anderson's best movie if he'll ever top this i don't know that's how perfect and great it is the characters are sensational the sets the colors the same thing as emily everything about it is phenomenal I love wes anderson and his dry ass humor and this movie is it's a like you say it's an adult fairy tale yeah adult fairy tale and it's so much fun because this is wes anderson getting a ton of money to make a movie so he just went all out the set design cinematography the acting the clothing the wardrobe phenomenal movie uh transportive uh just magical and and it, it feels like you're in a different world that doesn't exist in the real world number 61 we have die hard which came out in 1988 directed by john mctiernan one of the best action movies of all time. Uh, Bruce Willis um, being this everyman was a great new addition to that genre because we we're used to like the jacked superstars like like Schwarzenegger and Stallone who we love. But like John McClane looks like us, you know, he feels like a guy you know, and that's what I makes got better hair than him. Yeah, though. but <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes the movie so great. And Hans Gruber is a fantastic villain. Uh, Hands down, I think the best Christmas movie ever. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. I love every minute of Die Hard. I'm not a huge fan of all the sequels, but like Die Hard 3 is cool. 
With uh, a Vengeance is very good. Yeah, two's not bad. Three, but all these awesome. other ones that they've been making. No, no, not, three. Yeah, three. No, yeah, three's good. Two's yeah. pretty good too. Yeah, two's but pretty good. Die Hard is. It might be the best action movie ever made. It might be the best hostage movie ever made. It's up there. Maybe not with Dog Day Afternoon, but you know Bruce Willis became an icon. You know, this dude who looks like a guy that works at a gas station became a movie star for some reason. <laughs> but it's because this movie's so no, he's, good. He's a good-looking guy. It's because this movie is so good. Die Hard's great. We all know about it. Number 62, we have Unforgiven, released in 1992, directed by Clint Eastwood. This is my favorite Clint Eastwood movie. It's probably my favorite Western ever made. The character is, is very relatable. This this outlaw who's turned father and, and protector now has to go back to his old roots of, of debauchery and, and crime and murder to get vengeance for a friend. And I love every minute in this film. It's beautiful cinematography. His best directed movie for sure. Yeah, it's a tragic Western. And it's a character who is a character piece and someone who has put behind this this life he used to lead it but it always comes back to you and it, it this movie is about the cost it, it that you pay for for being a being a wicked person and being a, being a a villain and Clint Eastwood's directing is phenomenal Morgan Freeman's a great supporting character and uh Gene Hackman as well it's a, it's a great great western number 63 we have Pan's Labyrinth which came out in 2006 written and directed by Guillermo del Toro this film is so magical very dark, graphic, gory, horrific. Uh, it's a fairy tale, but for for grown-ups. And I think that this is one of the best horror films ever made because it's so unique. And you never see anything like it before you saw it. And I love Del Toro's style. And it's on full display in this film. Very few movies make me as emotional as Pan's Labyrinth does. All I have to do is hear the music from it and I just get teary-eyed because it's such a tragic story. It's such a beautiful story. The characters are incredible. The monsters and, and creature design are astounding. Cinematography was great. One best cinematography. and I have nothing but pure sadness for Ophelia. It depends on what you believe in. Number 64, we have Fago, <laughs> released in 1996, directed by the Coen brothers. The Coen brothers just have their own breed of comedy, I think, and I don't think anyone does it like them. It's very dry. It's similar to Wes Anderson in a way, but to like mix it in with this crime genre and just this like this, this horrible, these terrible criminals at what they do, and they're just like in the wrong place at the wrong time, and they just mess up so much, and... It's it's so great to see that in such a fun environment, like a real environment, like in Wisconsin, in this with these accents and 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 Francis McDormand's fantastic in this movie and highly quotable. It might be their best movie after No Country for Old Men. I love this movie. Yeah, the Midwestern location and locals is what makes this movie great because you know it's a, a dark crime drama that you've seen a thousand times, but the way they tell their story is what makes it so good and and having it set in that environment. We're used to things being set in either like L.A. or New York, but being in the Midwest in this random area where it's like the middle of nowhere. Don't you know? Don't you know? It's just so much fun, and I think it's endlessly funny. It's great. Number 65, we have Train Spotting, which came out in 1996, directed by Danny Boyle. Uh, this, I think, catapulted the, the genre of drugs, drugs being like drug users in movies. I think it was a hot commodity for a few years after this. Also, Ewan, Ewan McGregor broke out on this movie. It's a, it's just, it has so much energy. It's so well made. 
Danny Boyle really showed his voice as a, a filmmaker. He, the way he directed like that, the what do you call the it? The worst the, toilet in Scotland. The, the worst toilet in Scotland, Scotland sequence, the high sequences, and then also the withdrawal sequence are just un- unbelievable filmmaking achievements. And I think this is an astounding movie. Yeah, he's an incredibly creative filmmaker. He does things that no one even comes close to thinking of doing you could say like the last toilet in scotland like going down there and just like swimming out of it in like in like a lake or something like that great movie um addiction is a serious issue but it's great to see it tackled in films like train spotting then like you said we saw like a bunch more like with requiem for a dream these great films about addiction and they're super important to watch number 66 we have the truman show released in 1998 Directed by Peter Ware. We just did an episode on this a couple months ago because it's probably Jim Carrey's best movie. It's his best performance probably too. It's an incredible achievement in filmmaking and storytelling in general. And Jim Carrey is both perfect for this role, hysterical, and his character of Truman is one of the most... You probably feel more empathy than any other character in cinema. It's one of the best scripts ever, I think. It's so underrated in terms of the screenplay. And just the directing's um, amazing. And Jim Carrey, because he's the comedian, people, I think, look past his performance and didn't appreciate it for what it was. But I think now we've heard so much feedback about this movie from fans. People adore this movie and for good reason. At 67, we have Moonlight, which came out in 2016, directed by Barry Jenkins. This is an incredible ple- an incredible piece of filmmaking by Barry Jenkins. Uh, his His personal touch to the movie is what makes it so great. Uh, a lot of it's inspired by his own childhood and his upbringing. And, and he knows that world so well, which is why the movie feels so authentic. And telling the story um, with three acts, with the three different ages of one person, it was such a, a, a brilliant way to tell this person's life story from beginning to adulthood. And I, it's a profound movie. Yeah, it's, I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, Boyhood's kind of similar where you just follow this one person on a very long journey throughout their life. But um, Moonlight, we see three main phases of this character's life. And the character goes through so much emotionally, physically, to then create this outer shell exterior to protect himself from all the pain of his past into this hardened individual. And it's so interesting to see this character study of, of him, of what he becomes at the end of the film... And then the final shot of the film, and we see what's really hiding inside of that shell. And I just love this movie. At number 68, we have Jurassic Park, released in 1993, directed by Steven Spielberg. It's Jurassic Park. I mean, what else you got to say? Dinosaurs. We've never seen anything like this before in the big screen. They look so real. I mean, we have raptors hatching from eggs. It's a brilliant idea. It's a great script. (laughs) We love this movie. We had to put it on the list because it's it's groundbreaking and game-changing. Yeah, the experience of Jurassic Park does nothing like it. John Williams' score, Spielberg's directing the the special effects, the visual effects, and uh, the dinosaurs look better than they do in any of the new ones, honestly. Yeah, I agree. And there's nothing like Jurassic Park, and it's, I think, an experience that everyone should watch. Number 69, we have The Deer Hunter, which came out in 1978, directed by Michael Cimino. And this is easily one of the greatest war movies ever made. One of De Niro's best performances. Uh, I don't think a lot of people have seen it because they'll be like, oh, De Niro does the same thing every time. Watch The Deer Hunter. 
you'll it'll change your mind about De Niro. He's a brilliant actor in this movie. Meryl Streep's great in it as well. Christopher Walken, very young. He won the actor uh, best supporting actor, and it's a horrib- horribly tragic movie uh, about the cost of war and how it can affect those who serve in war. And I think that uh, everyone should watch this movie. It's a really beautiful film. Powerful, disturbing. I mean the the ru- the Russian roulette scenes are just incredible. I can't. It's they're so hard to watch. You can't look away. But I mean, like you said, De Niro's a madman in this movie, and you know we've talked about him briefly. What he did on set with this movie is just inc- insane. He's like he like started the like acting crazy like offset to like method the character. yeah like yeah. like not like full daniel day like i'm going home as the character but like on set method acting like yeah. he he kind of pioneered that a lot number 70 we have pirates of the caribbean the curse of the black pearl released in 2003 directed by gore verbinski these movies are just so fun we saw like hardcore realistic pirates it would have been cool if they were rated our movies that would have been epic but like we got pg-13 which is cool from disney and i mean jack sparrow one of the most iconic characters ever in the history of film maybe my favorite johnny depp character he's ever done they're, they're just great adventure movies great fantasy films and they they just take you into this world that you just have fantasized about, read in books, seen in TV shows and cartoons and movies, but to take you there in, in just the most profound way. This is the closest thing to Indiana Jones we had ever seen. They captured that tone, the 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 nature, the the fun quality, the adventure. It's romantic. It's got great action, great acting, amazing visual and special effects, set design, everything about Pirates of the Caribbean. I adore this movie so much. The sequels are are good as well, but the first one's just, I think, a special movie. Yeah, they're trying to do it again with the Jungle Cruise. They're like, hey, any any new ideas, Disney execs? Uh, we don't got nothing. How about Pirates of the Caribbean, but put it on a river? <laughs> <laughs> what other theme park rides do we have? See that trailer? Oh, my God. I didn't watch it. It looks, it looks not that good. Anyways, number 71, we have the Harry Potter franchise. The first film came out in 2001, directed by Chris Columbus. I think we should just talk about that one because it was such a game changer. Introduced us to that world, that character, the amazing story that J.K. Rowling created for us. And I think it's an astounding family film, just like indie, just like Pirates. Like Everyone can watch it and enjoy it together. And it's something new. You've never seen anything like it before. And I think it's just magical. Yeah, we just did the Sorcerer's Stone in our last episode, episode 99. We'll be doing Chamber of Secrets next week as well. And, you know, Harry Potter, one of the most fascinating, one of the greatest stories ever told in fiction literature in modern world and in film. And Chris Columbus did just an amazing job bringing us to this wizarding world, which we had only fantasized about and could never really imagine until he showed us what it would really look like. And he blew us away with this film, and I mean, we had eight Harry Potter films in total, and every single one of them is phenomenal, amazing, Fantastic Beasts. I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll see. Number 72, we have Rocky, released in 1976, directed by John Avild- Avildsen. <laughs> I, I never knew that guy's name. Evelson. <laughs> Who cares about the director of Rocky? It's just, it's sly. <laughs> but we all know the story. I mean, Sylvester Stallone wrote this script and, you know, he had to sell his dog to pay his bills and then eventually was allowed to star in the film and they got a bigger budget. And it's the best sports movie ever made. It's one of our favorite movies. We've seen Rocky, what, 30 times in our lives at least. Gotta Who be. Who knows? Um, it's Sylvester Stallone at his best playing this this Italian who can barely speak English fighting people. 
What's the problem? <laughs> hey, Adrian. It's uh, the you don't ult- like me or something? <laughs> you don't like me? <laughs> it's the ultimate underdog story. And this one best picture and deserved it. I mean, it went up against some great movies, but this is uh, the most one of the most inspirational movies ever made. And I, I, I adore this movie so much. 73, we have Seven, which came out in 1995, directed by David Fincher. This is, I think, my favorite David Fincher movie. It's one of the best serial killer movies ever made, if not the best. There's something about David Fincher and serial killers. He's just good at it. It's so dark and disturbing, and it it pushed the envelope for what audiences had ever seen. And I love this movie, even as messed up as it is. Kevin Spacey's great. Having Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman together is just, I could watch them chew up scenery all day. It's great. Yeah, I think that Fincher's just not afraid to just explore the depravities and perversions of human beings. And I think that's why it works so well with him and serial killers and these these crazy characters. And Seven, best serial killer movie probably ever made. And then the phenomenal twist at the end. It's just mind-blowing. What's in the, What's box? In the box? What's in the box? <laughs> Number 74, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, released in 2000 directed by Ang Lee. This movie is sensational. I mean, visually stunning. We've never seen anything quite like this before, especially in Hollywood, to take these filmmaking practices that he was doing in China and bring them here into America. And and Yeah, the wire work, the cinematography, also the costume design, the set design. This is an astounding achievement of filmmaking. You, sometimes when I watch this, it's like a fairy tale too, just the way it works. It's, mm-hmm. it's like what they do in animated films, but in real life. Yeah, it's, it's like incredible. the fantastical defying physics. It was just unbelievable the first time you saw it. It's a beautiful film too. Yeah. Number 75, we have Schindler's List, which came out in 1993, directed by Steven Spielberg. I think that this is the definitive Holocaust film and one of the definitive World War II films. Uh, especially because it, he Spielberg tells a story outside of any kind of war zone. Uh, you're involved in the concentration camps and what the the Jews had to go through, and it's a it's a tough movie to watch every time you see it. It's you know it's very difficult, but I think it's important to watch these films. And what Spielberg did, I don't think anyone else could have done because it comes back to his roots, and it was right that he had to be the one that did it. He actually put it off for over a decade because he was just. He didn't feel he was ready to tell the story until he was, and I think that's an a, a unbelievable achievement. Yeah, whereas The Pianist follows a Jewish man in Poland who escapes being put into a concentration camp, Schindler's List is a direct look inside those concentration camps. And again, cultural memento artifact that we have to watch. We, we must keep this film relevant so that we understand what happened, what this horrible regime of the Nazi party was doing and did to millions and millions of people and just turned them into ghosts in years and just eradicated them from the existence from existence and so schindler's list is a very important film to watch number 76 we have the good the bad and the ugly released in 1966 directed by antonio margariti just kidding it was directed <laughs> by sergio leone <laughs> once upon a time in hollywood joking and glorious bastards joke so i um, mean uh, this is the greatest genre-defying spaghetti western this movie's fantastic clint eastwood is the anti-hero this is like maybe the creation of the anti-hero it's like is he a good guy is he a bad he's guy he's one of the coolest characters ever. yeah he's, he's just always chewing on that cigar and getting into into trouble and it's got the epic shootout at the end the um the duel the um the mexican standoff and i love this movie so much yeah it's got some of my favorite shots of all time and it's a, a 
fantastic i used to just watch this when i was alone oh yeah alone. i know i used to come home all the time yeah. It'd be, oh yeah this is the third movie you'd be having on. and taxi driver yeah taxi driver. <laughs> like those three movies <laughs> i just i love this movie so much it's the the directing style of the spaghetti westerns especially sergio leone sergio leone's cinematography and filmmaking style is so amazing and just if you're a fan of filmmaking when you watch this it's just like it's just like listening to zeppelin Number 77, we have Blade Runner in Blade Runner 2049. We're cheating we here. We cheated and put them together. <laughs> uh, Ridley Scott changed the game with Blade Runner, this amazing dark sci-fi film. But then Denis Villeneuve, like, I don't know how he did it, but he managed to make a sequel that you could argue is better than the original Blade Runner. It's unbelievable. They're both masterpieces. I adore both of these films. They both tell stories about what it means to be human with these incredible sci-fi environments and i just i love these films so much yeah the visuals of both are great the acting and characters are phenomenal We've never seen anything like it both times and i think later on 2049 is like the most underrated film this century and if you haven't seen it you gotta watch this movie even if you ha even if you've if you've seen blade runner i'm sure we all have everyone listening has seen blade runner if you haven't you gotta watch these back to back that'd be great but oh yeah it's it was an impossible task to make a sequel to blade runner how do you do it Villeneuve knocked it out of the park. The, sc the screenwriters did an amazing job. And it just gives me so much hope for Dune because I love Dune. Again, how do you make that movie? I mean, if and, but if Denis can make Blade Runner 2049, I have confidence in him to do anything he, he puts his mind to. Oh, yeah. Number 78, we have Apocalypto, released in 2006, directed by Mel Gibson. This movie is fantastic. I mean, to, to like get into this, go into this culture of these of these tribes from centuries ago and to see what their lives were like and a cool part about this film is is you, you, there's not a lot of like spoken dialogue a lot of it's kind of just verbal i mean non-verbal communication you could even watch this movie without subtitles and you can kind of figure out what's going on really which is why it's so well made and i've never seen anything like some of the scenes in this movie like when they get to that giant city is it in it's in the in the incas or i think so yeah i'm not sure though. and or the aztecs and just to watch the like the ritual sacrifices and and what people were like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, it was insane. This movie is such an incredible experience. It's insane, and Gibson really puts you front and center. He shot on digital cameras, and he has them in the. You're running around. You feel like you're living in the jungle, running through the jungle, and just the entire story from start to finish. Um, it's just. It, in a lot of ways, the second half of this movie is just a giant chase sequence that is so heart-pounding and thrilling. Uh, there are very few movies that make you feel as uh, under duress as this movie does. It's so well done. I friggin' love this movie. It's an amazing race against the clock without clocks. Yeah. Number 79, we have Dogtooth, which is a Greek film. It came out in 2009, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. And this is Yorgos's big breakout he made a couple movies before this but this movie got a lot of attention and got an oscar nomination it is such a unique original screenplay it's so well directed and in a lot of ways yorgos is like wes anderson where he has his own unique brand of humor it's very dark it's very dry he puts his characters in ridiculous extreme out of control situations but his tone balances this line where he makes it kind of just funny to watch and i this movie is it's just my first experience with him as a filmmaker and i it's it's incredible it's so memorable of a movie yeah you showed me this years ago i mean we love the lobster we love the killing of a sacred deer um but this movie is just like 
what he was like entered our worlds with for us and Dogtooth it's just you never seen anything like this movie before watch it number 80 we have The Piano Teacher which came out in 2001 directed by Michael Haneke uh, he's a great Austrian director and this film is extremely extremely original it's dark twisted uh, has a high sexual nature it's about you know the depravities of human beings and how you don't really know someone until you like see what they live like on their own and it's it's about this piano teacher who she forms this strange bond with a with a uh, a student of hers it becomes sexual it becomes very mysterious and dangerous and it's so well crafted it's a a beautiful film but also a very disturbing film and if you like weird strange foreign films this is your cup of tea yeah and Henneke's a fantastic master of like bringing realism into yeah. his films yeah he shoots with a lot of very long takes number 81 rosemary's baby released in 1968 this is i think the third one by roman polanski on the list because he's a master of suspense his movies are all incredible rosemary's baby is i think it's got to be one of the best horror films ever made. I think it's one of the best movies in general ever made. Um, it, I think it's still on Amazon Prime if you guys have never seen it. you got to check mm -hmm. it out because this movie, it's it'll make you go crazy watching it because you don't know what's going on, but you're trying to figure it out, and everyone's keeping things from you. And this is like the original like wild horror movie twist ending that you can see so many modern horror films and even in recent decades inspired by this movie yeah this is a movie where the 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 hero loses you know you don't see that often and it's so suspenseful and you really fall into this like fever pitch and you follow this character and it's just you're along for the ride with her even when you watch this on multiple viewings it still takes your breath away how incredibly disturbing and horrific this movie is number 82 we have do the right thing which came out in 1989 directed by spike lee this was his major breakout in filmmaking uh this was his second feature and it this movie is still very relevant today it's about race t racial tensions and and this is set in new york on the hottest day of the year and, you know there's extreme conflicts between these um people in these uh, neighborhoods and it's it shows like how if you don't really know someone, you can judge them j just based upon what they look like and how dangerous that can be and how much conflict that can create. And, and Spike Lee really crafted something completely his own with this movie. And I love the cinematography for this movie because Spike, like like the characters in the script, he like gets up in, in your face with the camera and a lot of interesting angles, a lot of Dutch angles to show, you know, something's a little amiss. And it's, this movie has a ton of energy and it's kind of like Scorsese where Goodfellas is like, his culture that's what how he grew up he grew up in this this italian neighborhood full of full of mobsters and and priests and then with spike this is the kind of world he grew up in number 83 we have children of men released in 2006 directed by alfonso coron this is alfonso's best movie probably maybe roma has beat it but the cinematography in this movie is incredible i've never seen anything like children of men blew me away the concept itself is incredible and i love clive owen in this role as well one of the best dystopian movies ever made. His directing is revolutionary. The long takes, the technology he used to weave shots together. And now it's a, a common thing you see now, but he crafted some of the most incredible scenes you've ever seen. Number 84, we have In the Mood for Love, which came out in 2000, directed by Wong Kar Wai. This film revolutionized Chinese cinema and brought it to America. It's an amazing story about love with these two characters who 
are, have lost the love in their marriages and they seek it in someone else and they kind of find it in each other. But it's a very complicated film. It's some of the most beautiful cinematography of all time in all of cinema. Really, really rich cinematography. Uh, great costume design. It's just an a, incredible, incredible movie. If you haven't seen it, check out In the Mood for Love. Yeah, it reminds me of Lost in Translation. You know, this these this couple like roaming kind of like the streets of the city and everything. It's it's really hypnotizing. Number eighty five, we have Brokeback Mountain, released in two thousand five, directed by Ang Lee. This is a sensational film. It's heartbreaking, devastating movie. Uh, Jake and Heath Ledger give such powerful performances. They're incredibly moving in this movie, and you know this is the movie that. Heath, you know, he made this, and then when it was announced that he was a Joker, everyone freaked out. It's like, I don't want the guy from Brokeback Mountain to be the Joker. It's like, dude, it's a movie, first of all. Second of all, he's an actor. And third of all, Brokeback Mountain is phenomenal. It's uh, one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. It's one of the most tragic movies I've ever seen. It's such a deep personal drama. And the acting all around is a great ensemble. And the directing and cinematography are, are just unbelievable. I love this movie. Number 86, we have Rosetta which came out in 1999, directed by the Jardins brothers, who are Belgian filmmakers. And this is their first big hit. It won the Palme d'Or at, at Cannes. And it what they do is they tell stories from, uh, following the characters that are set in, you know, the lowest of circumstances and, and the bottom of the barrel and people who are uh, struggling to survive and get by on in, in the cities. And this is a, a deeply tragic film. It's beautifully made. Uh, they use a lot of very long takes, and they use handheld cinematography, so it fits documentary style. And uh, they helped pioneer that in the 90s with this film and a few others. And what they do is ma they make you feel like you're there with the people in the movie, and it makes you feel like you relate to them because you you feel like you're sitting there with them. Yeah, every time I watch a Dardenne Brothers film, I am trapped inside that movie. I feel like I'm in the room or in the exterior, wherever the characters are. The realism is incredible. It's palpable. Number 87, we have Breathless, released in 1960, directed by Jean-Luc Godard. This is another film similar time as Psycho that kind of was groundbreaking and changed the game in cinema. This is uh, Godard's masterpiece, and this is one of the most important films for the French New Wave, where uh, they revolutionized how you made films. They, they, stopped, they, they broke the rules. They made their own rules, and this film is a shining example of that how you can film a scene, how you can tell a story. They didn't have to follow the Hollywood standard, and, and that's why so many people gravitated to these films in Europe, and eventually they, the style found its way to America in the 70s, um, but it started here with Breathless. Number 88, we have Mission Impossible Fallout. 2018 was the release year, and Christopher McQuarrie directed this film. We put this on the list because we think this is one of the greatest action movies ever made. It could be. Uh, it's... I think it's it could be the best spy movie ever made. It's just unbelievable. The stakes, the sets, the stunts, Tom Cruise. It's an extravagant piece of cinema. Uh, it, it's it, You have to see this on the big screen, the biggest screen possible. We saw it on IMAX. blew us away. This movie is the best. It's sick. I think Tom Cruise put more into this role than any actor ever has for a film ever. I'm talking more than any method actor, any Daniel Day-Lewis actor. This guy spent years practicing the stunts, getting everything right to make this film. It's sensational what he did. Christopher McQuarrie is a great action director. He's a great director 
for these intense scripts of of this character of Ethan Hunt. He also wrote Usual Suspects, which is pretty cool. Um, and I can't wait to see seven and eight. Number 89, we have Raging Bull, released in 1980, directed by Martin Scorsese. And he claims that this film saved his life and De Niro convinced him to direct it. And Raging Bull, it took, you know, the sports genre, which Rocky kind of did too and created this great dramatic film. But Raging Bull is just so much more than a sports movie. It's it's this incredible character study of Jake LaMotta, a very interesting character who who reached the, the highest heights that an athlete could make, can reach. And then he reaches... The lowest lows that somebody can can fall to. Yeah, the, the Nero won the Oscar for this. It's his his best performance, and Raging Bull, I think, is the best sports film ever made. And it's also Martin Scorsese's most artistic film. He used a lot of really incredibly artistic ways of shooting this film, the technicality of it, uh, his use of light in this film, and incredibly old filmmaking techniques really make this something unique in his in his own filmography like there's no other movie like it in his filmography it's because i think he put everything he had as an artist into this film number 90 we have saving private ryan which came out in 1998 directed by steven spielberg i think it's the definitive war movie in terms of understanding what it's like to be in war to be in the middle of a firefight what it's like to have your life on the line and just every scene in this movie is beautiful uh, well made the action sequences are so realistic and authentic it makes you feel like you're right there with the soldiers and not many films have been able to do that yeah we just did an episode on this that came out on memorial day on may 31st and again this is one of those films on the list that it's a important historical artifact to keep relevant culturally important to understand why we went to war Number 91, we have 28 Days Later, released in 2002, directed by Danny Boyle. This is the best zombie movie ever made, hands down. It was the first time on a large-budget Hollywood production that we've seen fast zombies ravaging human beings and, like, just animalistic creatures. And a lot of people argue this isn't zombies. They're, like, infected people. But you know what? They're zombies to me. They're zombies. Uh, 28 Days Later injected so much new energy and life into the zombie into the zombie genre you wouldn't have the huge zombie genre you have today if it wasn't for this movie that's without question number 92 we have gamora which came out in 2008 directed by matteo garoni this film is one of my favorite italian movies uh, it shows this unbelievably dangerous world that these characters live in of crime and death and murder and and drugs and it's it's an it's a crazy movie. I've never seen anything like it. It's one of the best crime films ever made of all time. Uh, the way it's shot is very much like we said about the Dardanes uh, documentary style, handheld long shots, and it's an incredible experience. Yeah, movies like this really transport you into parts of the world that you never knew existed. And it shows you how fortunate and lucky you are to be in the situation you were born in. Whether you do have problems in your life and didn't get dealt a good hand in life of cards, this movie is one of those films that shows you what real people go through in terrible parts of the world. Number 93, we have Predator. We put this on just because we love it. Number <laughs> <laughs> Released in 1987, directed by John McTiernan. 
It's Predator, man. It's yeah. one of the best action films ever made. Do not show this to your to your girlfriend. She will not like it. I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> oh, the skin, skinned bodies. It is epic. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger with the sleeveless shirt, which makes no sense if he's a <laughs> commando. Um, every every scene of this movie is epic. We just love it. This is just the perfect '80s movie. It's so much fun. Arnold is, is at peak Arnold, amazing cast. It's just like muscles and guns and aliens and just fighting. <laughs> and it's just it's just a good time. And you know what? It's not the best movie ever made, but it's just phenomenal. We love so it. So fun. Number 94, we have The Social Network, which came out in 2010, directed by David Fincher. Not only was this such a, a perfectly directed film by Fincher, showcasing how talented this guy is and how on another level he is, but it's also one of the best scripts we've seen this century by Aaron Sorkin. It's so well made, so well written, and I know it's not completely accurate to what happened, but it's an it's an impossibly impossible story to try and tell, like the founding of Facebook, because it's so complicated and so much behind it. But Aaron Sorkin and David Fincher managed to make one of the best movies this century. I don't know how it didn't win Best Picture. It's a friggin' joke. It didn't win, but this movie is phenomenal. That's the best way to put it. It's a friggin' joke. It's, it's a masterpiece joke. in filmmaking. Every aspect of it, the acting too, and uh, the the score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross is fantastic too. And the Social Network. I mean, there's not much more we can say besides you have to watch this movie if you've never seen it. And it's so interesting because it's such a ma it's led to such a major part of all of our lives where we're all obsessed with social media. We probably wouldn't be at the point we are now if it wasn't for Facebook. So it's just an interesting film to to dive into the history of how it was created. Number 95, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the best action films ever made, released in 2015, directed by George Miller. And this man, he had this incredible vision of this world decades ago, but he can never fully bring it to fruition until the technology finally matched his brain. And he made <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road. It's like James Cameron. Yeah, this is what he's always been wanting to make. You can tell this is it. Obviously, he did the best he could with what he had with Mel Gibson and that character and those stories, but you can only do so much. But Mad Max Fury Road, sensational, epic film. It's one of the most ambitious movies ever made because of how practical and real it all is. And what he did is just astounding. And we had never, it's 2015, we still had never seen anything like this. Like when people saw this, they were like, I had never seen anything like that. It was unbelievable. And it, Tom Hardy did a great job. Charlize Theron is fantastic in this movie. I can't wait for the prequel about Furiosa. And it's it's a beautiful movie. It's, it's great. Number 96, we have The Talented Mr. Ripley, which came out in 1999, directed by Anthony Mangella. This is one of our favorite movies. It's a great story. Amazing cast. It's set in Italy. The music, the scenery, the the it's the story, you know. There's murder in it. It's got a young Philip Seymour Hoffman, young Matt Damon, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jude Law. It's unbelievable. But it's such a well-crafted story. And there's just something about this movie. I just like to watch it a lot. I don't know why. I just, I was to be like, you know, I'm just gonna put out the Mr. Ripley on it. And it's a two and a half, two and a half hour movie, but I just, I just adore this film. The cast is absurd. We got all these mega stars so young in 1999. Somehow they got them all in here. We got the Hoff, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Matt Damon, Jude Law, Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, <laughs> you mean the actors I listed off? <laughs> Sorry, it's late and I'm not even listening to you. <laughs> I love. Uh, Wait, could you tell me who's in this movie again? <laughs> the, the character Tom Ripley is one of my favorite characters in fiction 
literature in general. And Patricia Highsmith is one of my favorite authors. She's written so many great books. And Tom Ripley is this character who she's written, I think, four books about now. Or, I mean, she's passed. She's written four books about. And there have been a ton of movie adaptations, but this is the best one. This movie is a masterpiece in every every way. I love traveling to other countries. I love films that are set in Italy. And, and the director decided to put like this jazz fusion into it too, which is really cool. Breathe, breathe the new life into the character. But Matt Damon was born to play this role. He doesn't very... He doesn't often play villains. I can't I mean, this in like Interstellar. That's about it. That I can think of Matt Damon off the top of my head as a villain, but he kills this role. He's perfect for it. Number ninety-seven, we have Joker, released in two thousand nineteen, directed by Todd Phillips. This movie's a modern masterpiece. Todd Phillips, I knew he was a good filmmaker. Uh, I knew he was talented. Obviously, he made the Hangover movies. The, the first one's great, but I didn't realize how immensely talented this guy was and and what kind of films he could make. And I can't wait. For the sequel, because he's going to be writing it, but Joker is such a disturbing and incredible film. I think I described another movie on this list just like that. Uh, Joaquin blew us away with his one of his best performances in, in his stellar career. And, I mean, if you didn't see this movie, you're missing out. Yeah, this is a, a fantastic film. A very unique take on a comic book character. I think the most unique one we've seen so far. And... The move. The thing with the movie is, the first like half of the movie, I thought it was very good. But then when the climactic scenes happen, and there's this sequence in the film, it's about ten minutes long, from the talk show to the riot, and him standing on top of the police cruiser. I was just jaw dropped. Like, wow, this is incredible. What just happened in this movie is I was just blown away by it. Yeah, my mouth was agape for like the last ten minutes of this yeah. film, and I I wanted to stand up and cheer at the end, like yeah. while he was standing was like, on the yeah. car. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Arthur. Number ninety eight, we have Zoolander, which came out in two thousand and one, and directed by Ben Stiller. I was adamant about putting this on the list <laughs> because I it's my favorite comedy. I think it's the funniest movie. It's it's so funny. It's so many lines. Just the the concept, just making fun of fashion and making fun of all these people who think they're so important and beautiful and just like and Zoolander is just is so he's like Forrest Gump in a lot of ways. He's just like such an idiot. He's so lovable. <laughs> and I think Zoolander and then Will Ferrell is just so great in this this was just because he did old school and elf and um the one we said earlier but with this he like mugatu was so ridiculous i just think that the fact that ben stiller pulled this movie off is just uh remarkable i this yeah. movie's great every line from this movie is iconic yeah. every single one of them and, and i mean there are t-shirts and bumper stickers of the things that are said in this film and Every minute of it is hysterical. The sequel is trash. Yeah, there, there are some funny parts, but like you can't create magic twice. You, I mean, lightning strikes once, and and this movie is that example. Like Zoolander is so freaking funny, it's indescribable. Yeah. That and Anchorman, like how do you do that? Number ninety nine, we have Drive, released in two thousand eleven. Directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. We love Nicholas Winding Refn movies. Uh, we're huge fans of him. But Drive, starring Ryan Gosling. I'd never seen a movie like this before, especially with Gosling, because you, we, I don't think I understood how talented of an actor he was. And I never really had seen much of Refn's work before, and this really exposed me to his filmography. And Drive is like this wild, demented, fairy tale, hypnotic film of a movie. And you're just following this driver 
on this crazy story. Driving. Driving, <laughs> driving a car. Could you believe it? <laughs> but but the, char- the the mystery of the character is, is, what, is what makes the film so good and just trying to understand him and where he's from and, and just seeing the things that he does throughout the film. It's, it's incredible. I had, I had seen uh, Bronson and Valhalla Rising. Oh, yeah, I'd seen Bronson, yeah. And I was like, oh, this guy is like, these movies are crazy. And in this movie, the thing with Drive is it shouldn't be this good. The screenplay on paper, it's good, but I mean, when you when you see what he did as a director, you're he brought it on such a he elevated it so much, he and Gosling, that it was just the 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 screenplay is like trash compared to what the finished project was. And that's why he won he won the Palme d'Or for directing at the Cannes Film not the Palme d'Or, he won the best director at Cannes Film Festival because of that, because he did such a fantastic job crafting this story in this film and solidifying his style with american audiences which is super important for foreign directors and i i, I adore this movie it's yeah, great it's so symbolic and there's so many great metaphors in it. and how he does that with just like an action crime driving story on on the script is just he's a genius yeah and now for the last film number 100 we have the master which came out in 2012 directed by paul thomas anderson i think this is uh, a real masterpiece of filmmaking. It's an unbelievable film. S- sensational acting, cinematography, production design. I think the screenplay is so great. I think a lot of people think it's if if they haven't seen it, they they maybe think it's under they they underrate it and probably so many people haven't seen it because it's a different kind of story. But that's the whole point. It's not it doesn't follow a strict plot. And I think that Paul Thomas Anderson solidified his status as one of the greatest filmmakers of all time because he followed the There Will Be Blood up with this film, which is such a great, great movie. If you haven't seen The Master, you have to watch it ASAP. I think The Master is the number one movie on this list that like, I feel like I have to like go on mountaintops to scream at people to watch <laughs> because so many people haven't seen this movie. And it's one of the best movies made this century. It's one of PTA's best. Every part of it is a masterclass in filmmaking. The The characters are so well-written and so well-acted. The cast is insane. We got Joaquin and De Hoff. We have Amy Adams. So many, so many great actors and, and phenomenal roles in this movie. The cinematography of this movie is just magical, too. It's sensational, but I, I don't understand why it's not celebrated like it should be. It, it will never, like... I'll it will be, in 50 years it will maybe but I, I just won't ever understand it it's kind of like maybe like Blade Runner 2049 how like it's not that celebrated of a movie yet but the masters everyone has to see this movie yeah agreed alright everyone that's our list of 100 movies to see before you die hopefully you enjoyed it I know some of you are probably upset that you didn't hear some of the ones that you were expecting to be on here sorry you know Marvel movies made the list it's our list it's our list alright you make your own goddamn list <laughs> <laughs> thank you so no, we're much kidding. I'm sure your list is going to be really great yeah yeah but thank you so much for tuning in today uh, we had a lot of fun doing this hopefully we make it to a- another 100 episodes with the show and then, Everyone, we'll, then we'll see. Then we'll do 200 movies to see before you die. That'll be a four-hour episode. Yeah, I'm exhausted after this one. Man, I need to, need to go to sleep. But um, thank you so much. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of Lost Podcast. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and watch the full-length videos so you can see my face and Anthony's face on your phone or whatever you're, you're listening and watching at. Be, for, be sure to follow us on all the social media platforms that you have. We're on everything pretty much. And thank you so much for tuning in. Take care, everyone. Bye. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.